Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Get It Off Your Breasts, the podcast that digs into the issues that really get under your skin. I'm Leanna Bird. And I'm Emma Gannon. And this week we're joined by best-selling author and broadcaster and friend, Dorno Porter. And in this episode, we really get to the heart of celeb shaming, genderization of children and money guilt. So Dawn, first of all, thank you so much for coming and chatting to us. Pleasure. It's quite the treat having you in London. For a change. I'm pretty pretty special. We snapped you up whilst you were here. <laughs> really excited to hear what you've got to get off your breasts My today. My big milky breasts. <laughs> big milky lactating breasts. Um, <laughs> actually, I might actually lactate while we're sitting here. Anyway, Can't so wait. the thing I thought I would talk about is can we stop blaming celebrities for everything? I'm so sick of, she's a role model, she should behave like this. Um, how dare she show... Right, okay, so one example of this, like one big kind of one that everyone will recognise is Beyonce's... Uh, picture when she'd had the twins mm-hmm. so there's a little bit of belly on display and it's not a big floppy stretch marked horrible belly um she's beyonce her exercise regime has been pretty intense for the last 25 years she's in really good shape before she has a baby chances are her body might spring back reasonably quickly but when i said on twitter i loved this photo because it's so ridiculous and so stupid and she's called her son sir which is just beyond <laughs> everything i could ever imagine i love her um I just got this, oh, but you know, she should think about the responsibility that she has to normal women who don't have a flat belly three months after giving birth. And she's just made me feel crap. And I'm like, that's you. That's not, Mm. let's stop blaming Beyonce for your body image issues. It's not her fault. Allow a woman to be fit and healthy and pop back into shape after childbirth. Do you know, I saw exactly the same thing because um, Paloma Faith posted on her Instagram and it was a, a, a sort of little video of her doing an absolutely phenomenal jump from sort of sitting down to kind of up into the air. It was something that I could just never do. And she's been working really hard to, um, you know, to lose some of the baby weight that she put on. And she, what she was trying to do was be honest and say, it's hard work. I'm working really hard. I've given myself time. I've got an album out. I want to, you know, get my shape back a bit. But it's really hard work. I'm going to share with you how hard it is for me. And instead of, you know, there was some positive stuff, but I just saw so many comments underneath being like, well, you, you know, you've got the money and you've got the time, you know, great for you to be able to do all this exercise. And, she, and you know, w- most women can't. And it was like, she's doing it to try and show people that, you know, famous women don't just snap back like that yeah. without working hard. It's actually a positive message to say, you know, it's not normal for a woman to just have a baby and suddenly look how she did before. Although it does happen. I've got mm. so many friends who have nothing to do with being in the public eye. They're not celebrities. They have normal jobs. You know, they, they are just normal, what everyone is considering normal person. And um, they've had babies and like two months later, you would not know they've had mm-hmm. a baby. I, I find it kind of offensive that everyone presumes that a woman's body is going to be shattered after childbirth because it affects everybody differently. Mm. Pregnancy was actually very kind to me. And after, after, um, after having my babies, I breastfed, I got back into shape quite quickly, uh, back into shape. My body just went back to normal quite quickly. I didn't do much. I was very lucky. Mm. My sister was the same. It's maybe in our genetics. I've got friends who have never been able to lose the baby weight. And I've got other friends who literally, you would have no idea they'd had a baby a month later. And I just think we've got to stop being like, oh, you, you're back in shape you bitch How, you know, why did you do that that's not fair on the rest of us or it's not fair that your body did that that makes me feel like crap or or you know any or that's just as bad as judging someone someone who did put on loads of weight like let's just all just stop talking about post baby bodies it's so boring do you think it's like people projecting their insecurities onto celebrities Massively. because it's really weird and i think one of the reasons this has happened so much as well is because of a like hyper connected world of seeing we see more of Beyonce now we see more of Victoria Beckham now like Instagram has changed how much we see of celebrities and it's almost like there's more to see so there's more to criticize there's more to criticize but I just don't like how people get so angry with celebrities like I wouldn't actually put myself in the category of celebrity but this kind of thing happens to me all the time so mm. my Twitter feed is not an endorsement page but every now and then a brand approaches me that I like and says 
um, will you work with us? It involves a couple of Instagram, you try the products and if you like them, that's always step one. Try the products, if you like it, will you work with us? And I try loads of products all the time, don't like it, don't do the job. Recently I took one, um, and I've used these products for years, genuinely. It's a couple of Instagram posts and I'm working with the brand, it's a really nice relationship, mum's gotta work, you know, mm -hmm. I need some money. Uh, that's it, it's just a job. Everyone would take this job if they got off the opportunity. I post the picture on Instagram, underneath, sell out, isn't anyone real anymore? I thought you were a good person, but now you're selling out to brands. I'm like, I'm fucking working. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, no one on that Instagram feed who got offered the package that I got offered to do work with this brand that I genuinely like wouldn't take the opportunity. But people get so angry and they blame mm. you for the things they don't have. And But you get free products. Why do you need to get free products? Why do you need this? Because there are perks of this job mm. and that's the way that it is. Also, I'm a journalist and I write for Glamour magazine and brands send me products with the hope that I will write about it. And when I do write about it, it's because I really like it. But I still get people saying, why don't I get free products? I'm like, I don't know. Write for Glamour magazine and maybe you yeah. <laughs> like, stop blaming me and being so angry with me. Do you mm. think that it's when you talk about celebrities getting the blame, do you think that it happens with men just as much as women? Or do you think it particularly people like to point the finger at women? I think that definitely women are supposed to be role models, which... Listen, I think it's really important that we all look out for each other, but I don't, I don't need Rihanna to be a role model. Mm. I, don't, I don't need her to be good. I don't need her to put her fanny away. She's Rihanna. Like, there's, I, I just think I don't need her to be responsible and socially conscious because she's a rock star and you would never ask a guy to be socially conscious in that same way. And I think, like, back in the day when uh, I was watching that series that's out about uh, the... What's it called? The Defiant Ones with about... Um, Oh, the rapper guys. What's his name? Dr. Dre. And, um, and how when they were doing, and when him and Eminem, and they were all kind of doing this really, you know, I'm so uncool, so I just use the worst terminology and just say this so badly, but just like really hardcore rap, of like, and violent rap, and just using really aggressive lyrics. And everyone was like, this is, this is really irresponsible. I get that. Like, I understand that. There's kids listening to really violent songs about murder and mm -hmm. rape and treating their bitches like shit and all that stuff. I can see that, but... I just feel like for women to have to be role models is it's not really very fair because we should be allowed to be rock stars as well. And so you get something like I don't I don't think Rihanna is the cause of underage pregnancies. I mm. don't and but you know mothers will kind of accuse her of making their kids slutty. Actually, do you know what? That's not fair. This it's all here we go. This is the thing. It's just a massive contradiction and you go around in circles. I'm the mother of two boys and I'm so glad I have boys because I never have to deal with that. If I was the mother of a teenage girl who was dressed in like Rihanna, I'd probably be sitting here having a completely different argument. I just feel like stop acting like all women have to be responsible for other women because that's really boring mm -hmm. and impossible. And impossible. Yeah. And let them be artists and let them be rock stars and um, you and know, let more people make mistakes. Let more people make mistakes. And I really do think that the, you know, the role models in your life should be the people in your life. Uh, you know, I was brought up, my main influence when I was a young girl was Madonna. One of my mm. biggest memories of my mum is her walking into the room with me feeling my tits and her saying, <laughs> please stop singing like a virgin. <laughs> like it's always been there. But my influences in my life were my auntie who raised me, you know, to cook good roast dinners. And I think it's really important that you, like, if you're allowing your kids to be only influenced by who's in the media and who's out there like that, then I think I think it's a slight redirection of what they're seeing. But then isn't there also, on the other hand, there's a level of responsibility? Because when we grew up, um, you know, social media and having just being flooded as much as we are with sort of images, and it wasn't as much. Like, I, I feel like I had a lot more time family time, you know, um, doing things like playing games and yeah. books than today. So if, now kids have this easy access to social media at all points. And when you have someone like, for example, Miley Cyrus, I know she gets a lot of flack, but her audience is incredibly young. Now, she's never set her up as a role model, but I know someone who's a young girl who was like seven years old was basically doing some incredibly yeah, sexy dancing. And so I suppose, like, I completely get what you're saying, but I suppose is there a line when it crosses over when either you are setting yourself up as a role model and you're actually cashing in on that. So someone like David Beckham, for example, he very much, you know, his brand and his whole thing, he sets himself up as a role model to kids. So in a way, someone like him does have a responsibility to act kind of in a responsible manner. And if he, you know, 
got found out that he was doing heroin or something like that, you know, it could be seen as that he has been deceiving the public but by yeah, pretending... Oh, I don't know. I, I really think the public's right to know people's intimate personal lives, like what they do. When I, One of the things that upsets me more than anything else is sexual exposés. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like the idea that someone who is really good at their job has a kinky side and that that is exposed to the public and then they're damned and judged and called yeah. irresponsible and that they should have known better. It wasn't our right to know that. And like, and doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad person. You walk down the street, and almost like five out of ten people will have some king that you know. That guy's probably on his way to screw a hooker in his lunch hour. That guy's probably having an affair with his receptionist. That woman is probably sleeping with you know whoever. Like everyone's deviant in their own Mm -hmm. little way. And I hate the way that celebrities are used as examples, and that we blame them when we make it impossible for them to be human. And I just think it's it's not fair. It's just not fair. They're kind of demonised for being normal. Mm -hmm. And um. I just find it all really boring. And I just think we should stop putting them on a pedestal because it's us doing that. It's not actually them going, I'm the best, I'm this. It's us putting them on a pedestal and then trying to make them into this perfect person, which they're not. Is it because we enjoy bringing people down off their pedestals and that makes us feel better about our own lives? God, it's really interesting how much people, especially women in the media, are celebrated so much and put on a pedestal and then you literally watch them just being teared yeah. back down don't you it makes me really scared I know just in general that like if you're celebrated in any way the flip side of that is like oh you've messed up yeah like people are waiting to call you out or They're waiting literally to waiting it feels like there's people just to waiting fail. for you to don't you do find something. it weird though that I, Lena Dunham but... has been that like mm. for me in I, just to see the way she has been heralded as like the face of modern day feminism and she's yeah. changed the world and she's amazing and I to me she's still like personally being very supportive of me and I love her but to watch that just flip to like hate figure yeah. has been shocking to her as well it's just it's that's a, such a good example of it that's a really really good example of it she's responsible to do with... for everything yeah, like she's she's, she's killing the world apparently oh and some, what was the latest thing about her dog something about a dog oh. like oh was it, I, yeah. I just think it's all so ridiculous like she's she's I don't think people are comfortable with women being um with having that role of women being idolised but for their intelligence and their wit and their their talent. I think at some point people feel like they have to crush it. And that is... And you even feel- if they do it that Beyonce, with Beyonce, that's like, if you can do that to Beyonce, you can do that to anyone. To anyone. She's untouchable. I know, <laughs> I know. But I also find it weird because I feel like, especially here in Britain, we also like a comeback on the other side of it. So it's like, we just want to, we want to build someone up, tear them down. And then we want them to sort of like learn their lesson, but then come back yeah. and then we'll celebrate them again. And it's, I find that strange. It's like that kind of... Do you know what it's just made me think of though? It's like, do you think anyone can truly, truly be happy for someone else if they don't know them? Because it sounds very much like people really want to see other people fail. They they're... do. Well, you see it on Twitter and, and on, on any social media. If you say like the wrong thing at all my my social feeds are really friendly i have to say i'm really lucky like majority of the time everyone's really nice it's really it's really happy but if i do something slightly wrong Mm. or say something slightly controversial it's like suddenly it's a totally different thing like were you just waiting yeah and do have you said nice things did you say something nice to me yesterday and today because i did this you hate me now like you actually hate me but in a way i mean i I totally get it, I, but I also understand people's psychology of it, and I think like the whole like Schadenfreude thing, like it is naturally, it's natural in our human nature. It's not a nice side of us at all, but it is human to enjoy seeing other people, you know, have a bit of bad luck in their life. It makes us feel better, and it's not a good thing to admit or to, to you know foster. And certainly with your own friends, I think that's really it can get dangerous. But when you when you see someone you don't know who seemingly who never does, but seemingly has a perfect life who has a great relationship, great career, Mm -hmm. beautiful family, whatever it might be, and you just think, God, why can't I have that perfect life? Have I been a failure that I've never managed to get all those things? Why is my life so shit? And then you see them fail a bit, and it makes you go, okay, great, I'm glad I don't have that life. Chrissy is glad I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad Sorry, I was just going to say, it's why the Daily Mail is so successful, because you just get to read about the horror in other people's lives who should be perfect and it's addictive reading it's why soap operas are so successful because it's the grim side of yeah. people's real life but can I just say something that you wrote years ago was like one of the most amazingly honest things I think before it was like everyone was being honest all the time when you wrote about that year where you 
didn't have much work on yeah. and you were down in the dumps that I know for a fact that helped like so mm-hmm. many people it's not that I wanted I didn't feel good that you had had a bad year but it was just that like it almost gives other people the confidence that like no one has it perfect all yeah. the time. Yeah, it's like it's not just me that's going through. Yeah, some it was just tough like times. a kind of it's very inspirational in a weird way. I'm very inspirational, Emma. You are. Um, <laughs> that takes back to the original point of I think the reason why people blame celebrities for everything, get so cross with them, is because they presume their lives are perfect. And there's this um, you and your ivory tower type attitude towards them when. I know a lot of celebrities, we all do, and life isn't perfect, they're completely normal, and most of the time it's just people doing the hard grind who have managed to get to the position mm-hmm. they're in, terrified it's all going to fall apart any minute. I know Hollywood A-listers who literally don't know where their next job's coming from, it's all the way up the line, mm-hmm. it's all the way up the line, you never feel safe, but I think people presume that you're loaded, and people, and that you, you know, that every decision you make isn't based on the fact that you're looking for a job. And I think people presume that you live in a massive house, that you're really happy and life is perfect. And that you're smug. And, about that, you're it. Sm- and that you're smug. And actually, I don't know many people like yeah. that. Because yeah. sometimes, as well, you know, you've got your personal and you've got your professional, and you can't professionally be honest in that way sometimes because you want more work yeah you need to look together you need to look like you're in demand mm-hmm. you need to look busy like i i um was recently on a shoot where and this guy has won a bafta for an amazing film he's sleeping on his friend's sofa at the moment mm-hmm. yeah and it was just like know. it was Never just know. that moment of like he can't tell anyone that but like it's fine and it's just really interesting that um it's not what you see is it's not what you see is what you get all the yeah, time yeah definitely i just think i just hate this people who are in the public eye is the other but I, and, but and not that people don't consider mm-hmm. their feelings to be real as in like Ed Sheeran the... came out and ad- admitted that he got really sad because he read loads of tweets that yeah. people were like he's going bold and he was like really upset and then the journalist was like why do you read them and why do you care and he was like I'm a person I've got a Twitter account and my biggest fear is going bold Aww. like even Ed Sheeran like but people are like Ed Sheeran doesn't go on the internet it's like well he does sometimes yeah of course you do and also, like, just the idea that this it's not real and that uh, it just it just drives me nuts. And I think it's just I think we just need to all just look at people who are in the public eye, enjoy the work or not watch it if you don't enjoy it, and stop blaming them for mm. our own issues. Mm. But I do think as well that it says more about the you know if you're genuinely someone you know you you may have nothing to do with the the glitzy world. You may just be you know having what is considered a normal job. You know. Um, but you're really, really happy with your life. You've just have, you know, really satisfied. I don't think that kind of person would would even be interested or, or be the kind of person who'd be blaming celebrities or no. anyone else. They would just be absolutely fine. The kind of people who go on and comment and, or try and take people down, they, they are not happy in their own lives. They just can't be. No. And therefore, they are feeding off someone else's having unhappiness too because it makes them feel like okay, it's okay that my life's a bit shit or, you know, it's okay that I'm not this famous person because their life's shit and so I'm glad that I'm not like that. And I just think you just, it's that classic old, like, paradigm of um, it says more about the person than it does about the person they're criticising. Have we got time for a tiny anecdote? Do it. Um, So years ago when I first started making um, the BBC shows that I did years ago, like Super Slimmy and that, we didn't have Twitter or anything. I think we had myspace or something but just starting to have internet forums <clears throat> and i had a website and put my um had a public email address and when my show started to go out and i just moved to um la and i remember sitting in the office where our production office and i started to get these emails from this guy he said i'm an email address like mr pobblecock or something like that <laughs> literally that was what he was calling himself and he would send me the most insulting horrible emails but he'd really noticed me this is what was so horrible about it like he would say things so personal about me and the kind of person that I was and the way that I looked and just insult me and tell me that I had no right to be on tv and that I was a smug bitch living my perfect life and I don't know at any point when I presented myself as living a perfect life but this is what he thought that Mm. I did and he would just go at me but it was so personal it really really hurt me and every time his uh his email address would pop up. I obviously read it because you do, and um, oh, I just kind of sit and just be absolutely devastated. It kept me up at night. Anyway, one day he just stopped emailing me, and I was like, "Thank God!" A month went by and nothing. Oh, okay, that's gone. And a few years later, up it pops again, and his email just—he saw this email, and my heart just sunk. I was like, "Okay, I'm in a strong place. I'm happy in my life. Do I need to read this email? Do I need to hear what he's got to say?" Obviously, first. Like within five seconds, I've opened the email. <laughs> Dawn, I just wanted to write to you and say how deeply sorry I am for the um, way that 
I emailed you those years ago. I just lost the love of my life and I see you on TV, mm-hmm. um, happy, attractive, living this life that I always thought that I would live and I was just experiencing such devastation and there you were, something to attack. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that oh was God. changed my relationship with trolls. It changed my relationship with everything to do with social media and made me really understand why someone would do that to somebody else. And of course, any time where you notice and like really respond to something in the public eye that doesn't really matter to you in that way, it's because you feel like shit. And I think that's the thing, that those people who are doing the attacking, you know, actually, you know, I feel some kind of empathy for them, actually, because I feel like they must be having some emptiness. But, oh, I, God. but it's, the, it's the people like the Daily Mail and it's those people who feed that, you know, whether it's people who are just unhappy or they have mental health issues, they're feeding it yeah. by constantly posting. You know, we used to, back in the day, have very glamorous images of celebrities coming, you know, we, coming out, looking beautiful, they'd pose, they'd look beautiful and we, you know, would celebrate that, you know, before even you know our time like in the 50s and stuff and nowadays it's like paparazzi just want that photo of someone falling in the gutter yeah and it is feeding that that's that's insecure side of people so i think there's a responsibility there mm. i wanted to say something but it's a bit sucky but it's both of you because suck, suck, suck. um because it's kind of relevant to what you're saying which is that i think you're both actually really rare especially like um in this industry and as women but because I feel like you two have no like none of that at all and I found it really refreshing like both in my career both of you like massively gone out your way to help and encourage and bring up not just me but also other women and I do think like it really I really noticed at the time it wasn't just a kind of I'm not going to be bitter or jealous it was actually like I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to use everything that I know and that all my contacts to like try and give you a boost up and I think that's can be quite a rare thing so I just wanted to say thanks oh, <laughs> but I do you owe us everything <laughs> <laughs> no you really like I wouldn't have started writing if it wasn't for you Dawn like you really helped with the whole podcast side of things with the like honestly like the book everything like so much stuff and I just think like that's just my experience and I imagine there's so many other people out there who you've done that to as well and I think it's a it's a really good quality that you want to lift people up rather than enjoy their kind of little failures or feel like oh you know I'm doing better than them you do the opposite and so you can have people who will probably um, respond to both of our work all of our work the same way but still will have a go of us if go at us if we say something slightly wrong Mm -hmm. and it's just like you know we, we want to lift you up and we want to put stuff out there but also we're going to say really stupid yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no I, I love it it's like being part of a chain because I feel like I've been lifted up and then I'm like if I can do that in any way that's amazing as well yeah, it's awesome yeah, to be able to do it especially when you've got to a point where you've got you've got the help that someone needs in this industry and you can say there you go yeah so I'm going to um, completely change direction of our conversation now and bring in what I wanted to get off my breast this week, which is um, about the genderization of kids. And also people's, what I believe is people really misunderstanding the issue and getting really angry and really upset about it without actually understanding that it's a brilliant thing for all kids, whether they are a girly girl, a boy boy, a tomboy, a transgender child. Like It can be re- a really positive thing for all children if we're all a bit more aware of how we are passing on to them these kind of very stereotyped um, ideas of what a girl or a boy is, should look like, should be, can do. And I think it starts at an incredibly early age. There was a really interesting study um, that I learnt about when I did psychology and it was um, it showed basically that when newborns were born, they did an experiment and they, they, they swapped, so they put the, all the boy babies in the... Um, I think it was like the incubator area. Well, what's the area that after you're born when you have lots of different cots and they're kind of looked after it's by like nurses? It's a dormitory. It's kind of like, this was back in the day, this was about 30, 40 years ago. Mm. So anyway, it was a sort of hospital room and they had all the babies in them and the nurses would go and check on them. And they put secret cameras in and they put all the baby boys in pink baby grows and they put all the baby girls in blue baby grows. So obviously the nurses made an assumption of what gender the babies were, what sex they were. And they found that they, from the age of them being a newborn baby, they treated them differently. So when a baby boy in pink was crying so the nurse would think it was a girl it was very much pick up like sweetie darling don't cry oh my god my darling gorgeous got like you know really soothing very kind of soft when a boy was crying it was very much like come on buck up you can be okay come on brave boy come on strong boy and so already from the moment you're born the the language being used towards you the way that you're being sort of treated and people don't realize they're doing it necessarily Mm. but it was very very clear from this experiment um and there's a really interesting documentary on the bbc and i think it was called no more boys and girls, um, can our kids go gender three? And they went into a school of seven-year-olds and they did an experiment over about a month where they basically tried to remove all the kind of cues in the classroom that told boys and girls what they should be. 
And it was, it was incredibly sad at the beginning because they interviewed a lot of the little girls and a lot of the little girls' ideas of what they could do was, it was quite sort of limited and they, you know, they thought the boys were the strong ones, the boys were the smart ones, you know, their confidence levels were, when they were measured were much lower. Um, and by the end of this month, when they'd changed everything, you know, from down to the teacher calling the girls love or sweetie mm. and the boys mate, like they had to remove all of that to the toys they were allowed at home. The change was amazing, not only in the girls coming out and just being much more confident and, um, you know, the types of toys they were playing with, meaning that they were able to do more spatial puzzles as mm -hmm. well because they were using Lego and robots. But the boys were much more in touch with their emotions and they were getting less angry. Um, and it was really amazing. I just think people misunderstand and get really furious and go like, you know, by by taking away the gender from our kids, we're like, we're pandering to a, a minority of transgender kids. And I don't think, see the problem with that, because if you can help transgender kids, great. But I think people misunderstand it and don't understand that all boys and all girls will benefit from removing these kind of mm -hmm. very fixed views of who and what they are, even if we don't realise we're doing them. That's so interesting that the whole man up thing can stem from a blue baby grow. Like, yeah. as in, like, I, I, yeah, because my mum told me a story recently, she never told me this, that she saw her, her auntie was run over when she was really little. Um, she, she, she was fine, she just, um, she had a really bad um, leg and there was like loads of blood everywhere. And my mum was like, oh my God, are you okay? Like, you poor thing. And her cousin, the same age of boy, man up, you'll be fine. Didn't mm. even take him to the hospital to check mm. he was okay, but mm. took all the girls to go and check they were okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, this is one of my favourite subjects. I'm so glad you wanted to talk about this. As the mother of two boys, somehow, I don't really know how that happened. But um, I find it really fascinating. I have always been, um, oh, my two and a half year old, I've, 80% of his clothes are from the girls' section just because it's nice stripes, there's, like, cool florals, it's... The colours are more interesting. And, you know, I don't put him in stuff with frills on and that kind of thing because I don't want him to look silly, and he would look silly because he's quite obviously a boy, but everyone always thinks he's a girl. So he's got so much pink in his wardrobe mixed with yellow, and if I put him in pink trousers, I'll put, like, a blue T-shirt on. So I'm not trying to, like make a point about it I'm just making sure that his colour palette is non-gender specific mm -hmm. and always have people have always commented on it and it's always been something that I've been really proud of, proud of. Um, what I find so interesting is that Art will get Art's a big boy and he, he look, you saw him this morning yeah. he looks like a boy but if he's got blue trousers and a pink top on everyone will think he's a girl pink so... wins like a girl would wear blue but a boy wouldn't wear pink and I Chris and I talk about this all the time it just happened in the airport the other day um, this guy in security just kept on saying she 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 but he had a yellow t-shirt on and stripy trousers with just one of the stripes one of the thin stripes was pink and so oh my god and so they thought he was a girl and he's just such a little boy and it, it, fascinates, it fascinates me I just want to stop people in the street and go what is that in your head well, but so I've literally scanned for pink yeah, but, I, but, I, but I think that's such a deeper thing I think it's a deep thing like for example as an insult in school if you call a boy you're being a big girl right that's an insult it's seen as like yeah. stepping down if you call a girl oh you're being such a boy that's, that's not an insult it's kind of like what you're calling me strong and brave whatever mm. and so I think that with the pink and the blue you'd think a boy would never wear pink because they are reducing themselves to being yeah. girly but if a girl's wearing blue it's kind of cool it's like she's a bit of a tomboy yeah and I think that just goes deep into our like deep inbuilt like from the moment we're born that, that girls are slightly inferior or are just inferior not even slightly and it's yeah. just something we're told from like the beginning of, of of our lives it is it's very hard to get it's very hard to get that right and as a parent you do things that I do um I do find myself saying, be brave, come on, up you get. But I like to think that if I'd have, I had a daughter, I'd be saying the same thing. I've, mm. I've, I kind of watch myself on telling him he has to be tough yeah. and stuff. But I, I also, if he falls over, I don't run to him and tell him to get up and be, you know, be brave and do that. And I kind of think, I think I would do the same thing with a girl. I hope I would. The other thing that I found really interesting, what were you saying about toys? I have never... I got him a baby when he was one because I wanted him to have a baby because I think little girls get dolls and little boys get trucks. And he loved this baby and he took it everywhere with him for a while. But there was no way that I could stop his love for vehicles. It is obsessive. It's not something that either Chris and I have ever encouraged. The way that he loves cars and trucks and diggers and fire engines and all of that stuff, like my friend's little girls just have no interest in when mm -hmm. they come and play at our house. No interest. It's, it's, not, it's something that is... I don't know what the reason for that is, Liana, but it's something that he has found and that is his love of his life. 
So I'll just t- say something because this was exactly what they explored in this in this documentary, and a lot of the parents were saying, you know, it's not that we encourage them. Our kids just, our boys just want to play with guns and swords and um, robots, and the girls just like playing with dolls and craft kits and you know making stuff like that. And so they just said it's just it's just inbuilt, and and, and it's possible that there is some kind of a. Um, you know, everyone's individual. Some people have natural um, likes different from each other's. But what was really interesting is that when they when they swapped them, so they did um, an experiment where they um, took all the toys away and then they gave all the kids new toys, but they took it out of the packaging. So they removed any kind of cues to say this is a girl's toy or a boy's right. toy. And some of the boys, who were the most boyish toys, boyish boys, sorry, and they were like, they loved their guns and their Nerf guns and their swords and wouldn't touch anything girly, got given this like, teddy bear sewing kit where they had to like sew on outfits for this teddy bear and because they hadn't been told it's a, a girl's toy yeah they loved it oh, yeah. and oh, they I were like love that they were mm-hmm. doing sewing and some of the girls who'd been like i just want to play with my barbies like everything in the room was pink and the, the mums were like this is just what they like i can't do anything about it i've tried but um those girls when they were given a robot and told it was just like a robot for anyone they suddenly started liking robots and that made them then better at doing these spatial tests which they were terrible at first, which meant maybe mm-hmm. they'll become engineers when they're older but if you're given lego and you know um robots and things like that your, your brain is so plastic when you're born there is of course the, the you know the, the nature you are born with a certain um abilities that you might be triggered later on but i do think like we're so plastic that everything in the world that's queuing towards us will maybe sort of shape the way our brains develop yeah. and what we like and it's so hard to break it because you can't remove the gender cues it's like that experiment it's from the moment you're born you're getting cues mm-hmm. don't you but, feel like on the whole though it, it's not just with kids it's like with adults neutral marketing is great yeah i mean it's just the fact i went to um a pub the other day and like you know when you see the boys in the girls toilets and it's like a man playing football and a girl going shopping yeah. and it's like why is that still exist that is really annoying and i have these i, I can't sleep without earplugs and this particular brand is um they're marketed towards ladies and they're pink and it, I just thought about it the other day, and I was like, would a guy buy these? They're the best earplugs in the whole pharmacy. Would a guy buy them? Because I keep saying, I would say to them, if you want earplugs, get these ones. They're fantastic. They're the softest. They're the nicest. Yeah. But would they just feel silly buying them? And just think, God, it's an earplug. Have we actually... And it's got something like Lady Plug written on it, which sounds disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it actually doesn't have Lady Plugs written on it. But, um, but then I also feel like... it's This is another one where you just feel like... If you really talked about this for six hours, you it just contradict yourself constantly I love being a girl I love the fact that I can wear makeup I love the fact that I wear dresses I don't have I hate football like I'm I do all the cooking in my house Chris does all the DIY like we're so we're so stereotypical whilst always being all both of us being incredibly feminist and then my kids have my surname we do these things because we believe that women are, are just well beyond men, <laughs> but, you know, but I just think we we have these we have this integral belief that there's no real difference between the yeah. sexes. But then we sometimes just laugh at how stereotypical we are. And as far but you're right as far as marketing, like I'm a real sucker for it. But and it, I don't mm. like it. But I'm such a sucker for it. But think about like even the TV we watch and the cartoons because so I've got two goddaughters and um, me and my best friend. You know, we were always like, let's try and like make them not be princessy kind of girls. Like not in a bad way. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but just because. The whole like I need to be rescued by a man like whole fairy tale is not like the, the best <laughs> I think to be sharing with little girls. You can so still um, and succeed with short hair. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no Rapunzel yeah. for me. But she yeah. also, you know, my she's she's a bit of a tomboy too, and so she was trying. But you know, they just wanted the pink tutus. They just wanted it. And the other day, um, I was around there, and one of them, the younger one, she's five, and she said to me, "Why do you always dress like a boy?" Now I don't think I'd dress particularly like a boy, but I always wear jeans, for mm. example, and shirts, and so I get what she's saying. Um, and I was like, well, you know, everyone's different. And I think that's the thing. It's like, what you're saying is fine. There's no, there's no problem. Like if you and Chris, like you just enjoy those things. Great. I'm sure if Chris enjoyed cooking and you enjoyed doing the mowing the lawn, you wouldn't like, you'd be absolutely fine with that yeah. too. And in my household, with, um, me and Noel, like we're really opposite in jobs. So I will do like all the traditional like boy jobs in a way, like, you know, even just down to like sorting out the internet and the bills and that kind of stuff. And he likes cleaning. So, you know, and that's fine because I, I just think as long as there's no limits and I think by having too much like genderization from such a young age, we don't realize it, but we are putting limits on kids because yes, we're telling them what's normal. And it was, there was this whole like massive uproar in the news when John Lewis um, announced that they're gonna remove labeling um, and not have young kids clothes being like boys and girls sections and neighbors and boys and girls. And I just thought it's brilliant because 
firstly it's great for like a little girl who, for example who just likes dressing like a, like you know tradition like a boy yeah. then doesn't feel like a freak doesn't mm-hmm. feel weird and vice versa for boys but also like kids can just like what they like I know and someone said the best comment on Twitter they said everyone's getting their knickers in a twist over this and they don't understand we're not saying that boys and girls can't be gendered we're saying that dinosaur prints can't be yes, gendered yes I saw that I thought it's, that was yeah. brilliant it's like it doesn't why should dinosaurs be boys zone and even like the messaging on t-shirts for boys is like um here comes trouble was what yeah they yeah yeah and whereas the girls mm-hmm. was this beautiful i know and like, that, like i'm gorgeous like it's just constantly telling girls it's about their looks and constantly telling boys it's about manning up it's so true and mm. you go into some you go into there was a supermarket i can't remember which one it was but i um i went in a couple of years ago to buy something for art and i was horrified by the boys aisle and the girls aisle i was like wow i don't think i'd ever seen an example it's, it's a Big supermarket. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen anything so blatantly. Girls over there, you're mm-hmm. pink and pretty and wear your tutu. And everything was cars, trucks, tough guy with the boys. Have you She's been like, to Hamley's? No. You will be in for a shock then I mean, because it's it's like full on like that. Like a whole floor of pink mm-hmm. and see, But then you see my little boy would run straight into the boys stuff. And whether he's been conditioned to do that or not... I want him to be happy and have the toy he loves. So yeah, he'll walk out there with the biggest the truck. truck. Well, not the biggest truck. I'm don't spoil him like that. But you know, but you know, he'll walk out with the truck rather than a a doll. And yeah. so then, as a parent, you want to you want to keep this as neutral as possible. But then you also want them to be happy and have the toys mm. that they like. And it's quite difficult sometimes. You know, I sit there and he'll just he's watching TV, and I think, well, that's. I also thought I didn't want a kid that just sits there and watch TV. So that's one thing he's doing that I didn't think he'd be doing. <laughs> then he's got a t-shirt on with a truck on it, and he's playing with a fire engine, and like my house is just literally bursting with vehicles. How did this happen? But it just does. But I think the, the thing is, you've you've given him the option, and you've given him dolls from a young age, yeah. and you've not ever made him feel like if he wants to play with dolls or wear you know pink clothes or whatever that he's being like not normal. Yeah. And so therefore, if you know, maybe maybe he is born with a natural proclivity for trucks but then he's also that's fine he's also the other thing is is that the sensitivity of boys I watched this great documentary in um it was an American one about how just the culture of American football over there and how that kind of team coach spirit Mm. in high schools and how guys have to be sporty and tough and or a jock you know just have to be this certain way and um, I watched it just before I had art. That wasn't my tummy. <laughs> I watched it just before I had art, and I was like, God, there's no way that I'm going to raise a tough guy. I want my I want my little boy to be so sensitive, talk about his feelings, and do all these things. And I think the best thing you can do as a parent is just make sure that um, they're not boxed into being a, a, a kind of person, mm-hmm. that they're able to tell you how they feel, that you negotiate their tantrums with conversation, and that they're not just taught to be tough. And then if they want to play with trucks, mm-hmm. so be it. Being a kid is so much exper- like experimenting as well, isn't it? Like I had a friend, a little boy um, friend, he's grown up now, is very manly, weirdly, but he used to come over and um, dress up in all my dresses. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just so fun. And I used to, I had a real boy face, like football kit, football bed really? sheets, like duvet, Liverpool FC. What's, like, <laughs> but I just think it's it, as long as the people around you are let you just do whatever you want to do and buy whatever you choose in the toy store, it's like... I don't know. I think what's difficult, what's difficult though is like kids just do watch TV and also read books. There was a really lovely, I think it was like one of those little videos that someone like AJ Plus made or something, but basically this father had a a little girl and he went through all the kids books and crossed out all the he's and made them she's because he found that there weren't like, er, like it was just the normal thing was to have he as this, you know, as the the main character in it. Um, And all the ones, especially about like achievements and adventures were really about boys. So he crossed them all out and made them into she's and sort of changed them all to make them girls. And I think little things like that, just being thoughtful and just being aware like of language and how, how much we use he as the kind of norm Mm -hmm. and she as the other. Um, and just being aware of that but you can't like the, unless like the entire but the entire world changes like you can't stop your kid you can't keep them in a box and they're going to have all those influences they're going to watch cartoons they're going to be at and school and they'll go around to kids. another little boy's house who yeah. will have all these things and then they'll want that it's 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 really really difficult the best thing I think you can do as a parent is just be like just be who you want to be and we'll allow you that yeah and you're right rather than if not be the kind of parent where if your little boy comes home with a doll or if he wants to wear his little friend's dresses all the time just allow it there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda-approved weight loss medications like wigovi and zepbound for those who qualify 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. But then you can't, can't I think the most dangerous thing you said, you can't do that because you're a boy. Yeah. Or you but can't I, do that because you're a girl. But I think it can help yeah. them. Like in this, in this, again, I'm going to just go back to this documentary, but the little boy who was incredibly boyish. And then once he started like um, being kind of around a more general neutral environment and, you know, playing with the teddy and the sewing kit, his mum said like they did a kind of catch up a month later, he'd become much kinder to his sister at Aww. home. Um, and you could see his attitude changing throughout the documentary. And it's, you know, actually he might grow up to be a much happier person because he's able to express his emotions, he's not holding it. I mean, if someone like Donald Trump and King Jong-un maybe had grown up a little bit less, mm. like, everything, maybe, like, we wouldn't be in the shit we're in the world yeah. now. You know, those men, like, boys being brought up to feel like they have to be tough and strong all the time is not healthy so for them either. Yeah. Masculinity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, my topic that I want to get off my breasts is um, the guilt that comes along with making money, especially in this industry yes. where you're having fun and it's a fun job and basically over the last like two years or so I've gone from literally having none to like having more than I thought I would ever have in my bank. Emma do you think part of that guilt is about the fact that we all know that we're in an incredibly lucky position in what we do like we have obviously worked really hard to get where we are um, like a lot of people but when you do get some success um, you are able to make quite a lot of money um, in ways that other people wouldn't perhaps be able to. So for example, things like endorsement, whereas someone who's like, for example, a nurse or working in a factory can literally like work their asses off 14 hours a day and never have any chance of making the kind of money that someone working in the media could. Do you think that's part of the... Yeah, I definitely think midwives and anyone that works long hours in any sort of like hospital or in the NHS deserve literally to be millionaires. Mm. Um, They do so much and it actually is such a painful realisation when you realise that actually they're not earning nearly enough um, what they should be. Mm. I think it's a really good conversation and also I think that this guilt that we're discussing actually is kind of a positive thing in a way because the byproduct of becoming successful in some way and earning money it it actually encourages you to kind of do more and Mm. be more active do more volunteering like and do what you can to help so maybe part of it is like don't be ever ashamed of doing well and being able to earn a living but also like appreciate if you are making quite a bit of money like appreciate how fortunate you are because I do the same thing I'll look at some like footballers and I think some of what they're paid is quite frankly scandalous um so I really hope that people like that are really appreciative of what they're making compared with what a sort of person in a job like we were talking about like a nurse or someone like that would be making absolutely I feel guilty talking about money in a sense of I did a blog post a while ago because I did a, a little partnership with an app called Moneybox. It's about saving money and um, it rounds up your loose change when you go and buy a round of drinks for your friends. It like puts five pounds away in savings. It's really clever. Oh, wow. um, but I got quite a few emails and quite a few tweets just being like, um, I don't. I think it's quite crude to talk about um, making money. Um, are you in this job to make loads of money because? I don't know, it was like this assumption that if you're working in the creative industry, why? how dare you then push for like making loads of money? It, people just thought it was quite like jarring and yeah. criticised me a little bit for suddenly being like someone that wants to make a really successful business and be an entrepreneur. Mm. I don't know. It's like, do what you love, but you're not allowed to really make money from it. I totally agree. I totally agree. And oh, it's kind of what I was saying before with the, the endorsement thing. It's like how dare you take a job for money, just a really easy job for money. Um, they don't come around very often, not many people do them, but it's like, it's okay to be, um, to work and that people just have, I don't know what the cutoff point is, where someone thinks you're really, really gets on board with you because you're ambitious and you're successful and you're striving 
to you earning too much and you becoming a rich twat that they just don't want anything to do with. Mm-hmm. No matter how generous or what you do with your time or how much you actually do not for any money. And it's almost impossible to get that balance right. Like I said that I had a few like few pairs of shoes in the same of different colours of this brand and I've just got like so much shit because they said that so many people on Twitter said you're showing off because you won't have all these shoes. I'm like, God, I worked really hard last mm. year and um, I decided to buy my f- self a few pairs of shoes with it. I'm not a dick. I think it's a really yes. British thing though. But then you, you'll have a good perspective on this because you live in America too so you must have a lot of contact with the American public too. But I find that in America being like ambitious and making money and being sure that you're paid properly is considered like a really good thing. Yes. And in Britain we have to be a little bit embarrassed and a little, you know, it's seen as quite crass to talk about money. Um, and if you ask for money, it's like a bit, it's a bit like, mm, I don't know, like, like I'm not going to say who they are, but I'm, a very good friend of mine um, is an American and she's in a band with someone who's British. And she, she finds that she's much more kind of pushy on the money thing because she's like, why should I be embarrassed to want to be paid for working hard? I'm yes. going to push to make sure I'm paid properly. Whereas the person she's in the band with is like, oh, oh God, no, oh, sorry, sorry, no, no, no. Like, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Pay us shit all. Like, and she, she was like, the, and she, she was saying the, the difference between like the American, like Americans aren't embarrassed to want to be paid properly and to talk about that as well. Yeah. Do, you, do you think, do you find that? I do, I do. I do find that there's a little bit more of a boldness. And yeah, I think, I think just... It, by nature, us Brits presume to be, um, what's the word? Uh, we've got to, we've got to be, I can't, I've, 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 my, I, I like modest? Words. Yeah, we've got to be modest. And if you're not, then you're smug. Back to kind of being smug again. So money is like one of those big subjects where if you admit to having it, or if you're seen to be flamboyant in any way with money, you're just a dick. That's just what people think. But, but then, in America, but then no, the experience is so different if you're like a guy in the city, because having like, a Rolex watch and a flash car um, and a you know Versace suit or whatever is seen as like badges of honor yeah. and people aren't embarrassed about that like you know I I don't wear like you know anything designer or have like jewelry and stuff like that but I I, I wouldn't I just is not my style but I always find it quite like I always not not impressed but almost like wow like you just don't care at all you're literally flaunt your money yeah and like you just sort of what's really funny about i watched this documentary about the future of work the other day and like how much robots will start to take over quite a few jobs like jobs that people don't want to do maybe but it that has a massive impact on like society and this guy was like yeah the first like one of the first jobs that will go um and be given to like robots or like technology is investment banking and like accounting and he was like all these really arrogant city people like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they like they kind of like a, a machine could do their job so like they can't be too smug and flashy but it but what the guilt thing it's funny the other day someone was like um can you do this thing and loads of really amazing people are doing it and um sorry we we can't pay you type thing and i and i get it but it was like I crafted this massive response and I didn't want to do it by the way because I you know that you weigh it up like do you want to do it don't you want to do it and I didn't and I especially didn't want to do it for free and I wrote this like whole essay email like about how you know I can't make time for it and actually I don't think I want to do it and I'm really sorry but um actually you know I I can't really do things for free at the moment I'm really busy and I just deleted I literally highlighted it and deleted it and just said sorry I can't do it (laughs) and I was just like what's what's my problem but I but I again and I you know, I don't always bring it back to this, but I do think it's about being a woman a bit as well. Like, I think men are less embarrassed to ask for pay rises, for example. Like, generally speaking, um, like I was saying to you, Emma, before, I'm doing five jobs at the moment, and I have been for some time, and I'm, I'm only paid for one of them. And I don't, I, I never think of that as that weird, and I don't think necessarily many men would do that. And also, like, I've negotiated a pay rise for myself like once in my life and I found it the most excruciating experience whereas I know guys who work in the same industry who like absolutely have no like they don't see it as a problem it's just like it is part of what I do I have to negotiate this is what I'm worth and I was like I'm going to do this I'm going to say it and you know and it was a bit of a battle and I had to actually say no no this is what I'm worth and I, I found it really uncomfortable and I do think people expect women to do work for free you know women traditionally will work more in the kind of charity sector as well um, there are a lot of women who perhaps have the the money to be able to you know they have kids that might do a part time job for free or some voluntary mm-hmm. work for free it's seen as a much more kind of yeah. female thing to work yeah. for free and, and I get asked to do so much stuff for free mm-hmm. why do people so assume much? that they do as well do people ask weird. Chris to do stuff for free only like big charity stuff, but not really, not really. I mean, I get asked to do stuff like, or lots of panels and all that kind of stuff, which is 
which is always well, very often kind of free. No, Chris wouldn't be asked to. He'd always be offered a fee for something. And he, well, he, you know, he's a different level. He's like, he, yeah. you no, know, he's he's a totally different level. So I think, I think people people presume that I would like the opportunity. Um, one person said something to me once where um, they were asking me to do something for free, and they said, "I think this could be a really great platform for you." Mm. <laughs> and I just went, "Thank you so much. I'm fine. I, I I've got my own platform." Exposure. Yeah, yeah. Exposure. Um, People say like you, be great exposure for you. Like that's what you're yeah. after. Not. Some it's funny when a brand experience. gets in touch with like two followers. Like we can give you exposure. I'm like, mm, I could give you exposure. Like yeah. I don't get it. I don't yeah. get how that works. I think it hap- I think what you were just saying there about you know being seen as like an opportunity happens to a lot of people in creative industry so if you're a photographer for example you're being seen as given an opportunity to photograph a band and you shouldn't be paid for your time or if you're a musician even if you're like a really struggling musician it's like we want to put your music in this film but we're not going to pay for it's great exposure for you and it's it is really exploitative because everyone else in that process will be getting paid yeah but the creative person is being seen as well you're doing a a job that you love well it's just you do it for love not money yeah and i'm giving you an opportunity to be heard and seen but it's you know, at what point do you actually say, well, these, you know, this musician who's struggling, who needs to live, and will not, you know, people will stop making music eventually if yeah. we don't start paying people. And also, work. just the whole pain, like paying writers, I find such, I just find it amazing that people think they should get journalism for free. Like I, I really, you know, with your, you must have blogged for so long without making any money. And like so, and Mm -hmm. like you know, we both write for the Huffington Post, which is it's great because when you want to say something, you can have it published somewhere, but you don't get paid for it because it's blogging. It's an opportunity for us to get our writing fuck off. Like I just need to be paid (laughs) for the writing that I do, and I just find it when people like find out or get pissed off with people for when they find out how much they. I remember Kathleen once got loads of shit for how much she gets paid for her column in the times which is one of the best columns that that exists and that she's one of the best female writers in the country and all of this but when her salary was revealed people were really cross with her about it it's like writing like being creative doesn't mean you should work for nothing Mm. in fact i'm giving you the inside of my mind and pouring myself out onto paper writing is a like and really hard I should be getting more paid more to the point like if the Times want to spend that money like it's not our money it's the Times money good I'm glad that they're going to pay money you know she can negotiate yeah. that and has got herself in that position where she's in a strong position and she could probably get that much money or more from a competitor yeah. Yeah. Anyone it's not affecting like, us. a male columnist though that's no. like, well, they do, no, but they weird. do because when the BBC revealed the pay mm, you know yeah. Gary Lineker and I can't remember who the other people were at the top of it but they got a lot of mm. flat for that again But and again I do understand that because the BBC is public money in some ways so we have definitely got more of a right to know and to complain but also at the same time they could be probably making a lot more money if they move channels yeah and you have to pay competitive rates for people because otherwise they're just gonna like you're just gonna lose them yeah you know and that is the going rate for someone of that ex- number of years they've worked for it and that you know popularity mm. then also oh, when sorry okay. i was just gonna say back to the guilt thing like I, the way i'm thinking of it now as well is i don't feel guilty because we all know that like the more money you have the more power you have and when it, inequality still exists and you've got someone like Donald Trump in, in, in that scary position like um, there's a quote that Cindy Gallup said when I interviewed her and she was basically like women need to get as rich as they possibly can yes. because then the power struggle is not so in, um, is not so kind of um, imbalanced yeah. because like someone like Beyonce having loads of money like look what she does for so many young women coming up I know. beneath her and also there's a chapter in Amy Schumer's memoir where she talks about being really rich because she is absolutely minted now and she was like i send my dad to the best hospital because he has ms i pay for my cousin's tuition fees she was like i'm not justifying it but money gives you so much freedom and why not own that why why feel guilty why feel guilty and also because what everyone wants everyone wants it and everyone that doesn't have it would love it and so the few that get to do it shouldn't feel guilty about it but i do think there's something in the way that you i love that about how women should get rich there's something Mm. um Women women deal with power and money and handle it differently from the way that men do. I really believe that. I think you see it in um, which charity was I was working for a charity once where it was all about supporting the mothers because the mothers get get the mothers educated, get the women educated, mm-hmm. and get them to work because they inherently take care of other people. Men inherently can be a little selfish with money and it's more of an ego and it's very it's an individual experience to become rich. Women take care of the people around them and. That's why it's important for women to come rich because if women were the rich ones, mm. 
Free tampons for everyone. Yes, but it would be. And that's it. If women were put into power, it would be but decisions you know, like that that got made. And it's not just rich, actually. It's also very much educated as well. Because exactly what you mm. were saying there about if women had more power. And I saw a talk by David Attenborough, who's like, my hero, my God. And he was saying, like, the greatest threat to the entire world right now, like, forget everything else, basically, is the population growing too much. And by 2050, we will have gone past the point that the Earth can actually sustain and so we have to get the population to drop and the best way to get the population to drop is basically in countries where women don't have their own rights and power to choose birth control yeah the population's out of control yeah and in the countries where they do mm-hmm. it is so education of women is the number one way to and empowerment of women is the number one way so to protect basically our entire species if there's not a better argument for educating and giving women power it's that we will all die unless true. women have more power but guys it's true but then also but it, it all goes back to what you're saying about guilt so at no point especially when you're the kind of well you said earlier how we've both lifted you up in different ways someone like you is exactly the right kind of person who should have loads of money because it's never going to be a selfish experience the more money you've got the more power you gain the more reach you're going to have out for other people it will change the world but but shouldn't it be allowed to be a selfish experience in a way because it, oh, shouldn't women not should. feel that if it they've got loads should. of money they have to do good with I, it like you can like, and that's great but I just think but, by just by generally it's, it's by law of averages yeah. more women that have money are going to probably do more with Definitely. it than guys that's a really mean thing to say to men and I don't mean it to sound like men don't do good <laughs> things with the money they do all the time but I just think that that maternal sharing what else can I do got they've got women have yeah. got a, their eyes on more people I loved Catelyn Moran's quote um that she said once as well about um when working class people get money because she was saying that she now she always says like how because she obviously came from a working class family like when she got rich she literally brought everyone with her like mm. like Oasis did when they got famous yeah. like let's all go together and it's just like why why would it be a totally selfish experience like that that baffles me mm. i'm like why not like take people with you mm. and make it grow it and make it better and better but i think i think again that's something that when you're young i think and i think it's it's not necessarily a good thing for for either men or women because, but i think men have a lot a lot of pressure that in order to be a success in life you have to have made money i know friends of mine who were incredibly talented and creative but didn't follow their dreams mm. so to speak because they had a lot of pressure from the, from the moment they were young, from their parents, to like, if you are success, it means you're making a lot of money. Yeah. And I feel like perhaps girls mm. don't get that as much because if you're a woman who is doing a very fulfilling career, but you're not making much money, and you have a great family, and you're happy in family, you're seen as a success. Um, perhaps because there's not seen as so much pressure on women to maybe be the main breadwinner. When someone pays you well for what you do, you it is a signifier yeah, to yourself definitely. that you're doing well. And I think that's where my guilt's come from, is that I'm like, oh, I like this. And I'm like, oh, that's a bit grim. No, I think that's but that the guilt. All, no, but it's not grim. It's brilliant. It Having brilliant. money is what everybody wants. <laughs> mm. It's what we well, all want. it gives want. you freedom. That's gives the thing. You freedom. It gives you freedom. And it's, it's just, not everything, but it gives you massive it, freedom. It means you can pay your rent and life yeah. isn't a struggle. And you can buy great dresses, but you can also do good things. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the shallow and the not shallow. And yeah. it just... It, you can help oh, women your family to... and do all these yeah. brilliant things with it. And it's making money feels awesome. Another thing, I get really defensive about the fact that, like, I obviously married well. Chris earns really well. I don't. I earn bog all half the time. Like, being a writer, even like, five books in, it's still... Yeah. I, I wouldn't own a house if I hadn't married Chris. So, and I, so I get very defensive about it. I don't want anyone to think I've got money more than I've got. You know, I'm always like... I, I consider everything that I spend. I'm like, that's too expensive. I'm not mm. actually that flamboyant. But do you get, because I, I get this, where people assume that because you're with someone who's got a lot more money than you, mm. that you therefore have their money. But yeah, I, not I don't all. share finances at all and I don't want to because I feel like I don't want to take, I don't want to feel like I'm a kept woman. No, I'm And saying. I don't earn very much at all either. And I get some comments sometimes like if I'm, in a nice outfit someone says oh that's a nice outfit they're like well it's easy enough when you've got loads yeah. of money and I'm like I literally earn less than anyone yeah, I know yeah. no, it's true. and I don't it's take true. I mean obviously you know there's there's perks of being with someone who's I hire only because you, you get to enjoy a lot of their lifestyle and, and you're not going to be homeless and you can eat and you don't have to worry about your bills amazing, amazing. Yes, that's it is all hugely but it's like I would never I, would, I don't just take Chris's card I do have my own money it's not, it's not this bad but I wouldn't like go out on Chris's card and just kind of go on a big shopping splurge like I think people think you do when you're I remember in one interview yeah. I got called a Hollywood wife and I was so offended I was like God like my struggle is real. Like I'm still uh, do, still doing the grind. I'm still working my. Wait, now people are going to be messaging Chris, going, "How can you make Dawn feel like this?" Give <laughs> no, 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 no. Chris is the I, know, I have access to whatever I want of his, of course, and we. Of and also, you know, I've I've had a good year. Everything's going fine. But I just mean that it's not like I I think the presumption that Chris has Chris earns really good money. 
I don't. So I don't look at this kind of endless vat of money that I'm yeah. allowed to go and spend on Gucci shoes. It just isn't that yeah. way. That kind of circles back to your beginning point. Yeah. Of like, we don't know anything about anyone. I have to take those endorsement jobs. I have to work. Yeah. And I think that's what people don't don't realise, is that you still... Um, I, I would, you know, I would love to not work. If, yeah. if I was in that situation, <laughs> I, believe me, I would not work. But I don't believe you, Dawn. I think I'll show while you get chunking at probably, the bit. I probably would. I'd be tapping away I would, I would, you know, I'd probably always do my writing, but I wouldn't do anything else. Yeah. I wouldn't think, oh, that's, you know, that's a cash job. Isn't it weird money. when people think if you write a book, you are a millionaire? Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't it the oldest, weirdest myth? I earn le- less from, my writing is the lowest paid thing that I do. Mm. It's um, but it's the thing, but it's my main job, and I would do it if I got paid a fifth of what I get paid because that's mm-hmm. how writers feel about what they do. But um, any, I, I get so defensive about anyone who thinks that I don't work really hard for my money. Mm-hmm. On that note, um, um, we have to let you know yes. we're not paying you for the podcast, Dawn. Sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> we're totally taking advantage of you. Um, no, I've got to say thank you so so thank so, you. Much. Oh, so much. Time has flown. We've gone way over what we we were meant to, but um, it's been so interesting and fascinating. Thank you so much. Thank you. So thank you so much for listening to that episode with Dorno Porter. We really enjoyed it and we hope you enjoyed listening. If you like Get It Off Your Breast so far and you want to tune in next week, please do. We have a very exciting guest who is Shaq. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Be called Sandy.